Welcome back to the Clean the Stage podcast. Do you have any fun greetings you do with friends just because? I have this one friend whenever I get on the phone with them, we both say, ah, hi. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, so great to be here for this episode. I am pumped to share this new series called Four Minutes of Truth. Before we jump into it, I should tell you my name. If you're new here, I'm Angela Lucier, and I host the show, and I'm also a speaker and an author and the CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And on today's episode, I'm sharing five women's voices who I asked to offer four minutes of truth on any subject. I sent them an email and it was very vague. I said, talk about anything that's true for you. It can be what's happening in your life right now. It can be a story from the past. It can be about your vision for the perfect future, whatever you want. It just has to be your truth and you have four minutes to do it. And I got these back and I got more back. So we're doing more of these. And I want to invite you to share your own voice on upcoming episodes as well. And I'll I'll tell you how to do that in a minute. But the reason I'm doing this is because I have felt incredible isolation. I mean, I know I'm not alone over the last few months. And I've been dying to hear more from how others have been feeling. And yes, I've been having Zoom calls and some social distancing walks and, you know, just some short conversations with friends, but I'm just so craving the connection and the truth about what other people are going through and thinking about. And I I used to have so much of that in my life. So there's such a void because it's not there. And uh, two weeks ago, I watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix. And if you're not familiar with him, he was the accused pedophile who, um, you know, committed suicide in in jail last year. And in the last episode of the documentary, they show some of the women who were victims, his victims, getting up in court after he died to share their experience, share how it has affected their life, to just have a moment to claim the stage and say how how they're doing, you know, what what they've been through in front of the public, in front of a judge, and be seen and be heard. And all of them said, even though Epstein wasn't there that day in court, they felt better because they got to say what they've been wanting to say for so long. And I was reminded of how important it is to have a stage sometimes to say what you want to say and to be seen and be heard. And to not apologize and not feel shame. I mean, you know, if you do feel shame, that's that's okay. It's it's about having the opportunity to to speak your mind. And it inspired me to create this series called 4 Minutes of Truth. And I'd like it to be ongoing and I want to invite you to share and say what's on your mind. It's really easy to do. You can turn on the audio recorder app on your phone or download a free app onto your phone, and you just talk into it, and then you email it to me. So there's no fancy recording studio. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a script. And actually, I'd 
I'd prefer you don't have a script, just have a sense of what you want to say and then just freestyle it for four minutes. And as you'll hear in the five stories you're going to hear today, these women don't have a script. This is their life. This is them sharing about who they are and what's going on with them. And I have to say, I was blown away by what I got back. As I said, I was really loose with what I was asking for. So I really left it up to them to decide what to say. And the vulnerability and the power and the the reality of what they're saying is palpable and it's also so relatable. I could hear myself in every single one of them and my my hope is that you hear yourself as well and maybe feel a little bit more connected to those around you. So if you feel moved, this will be an ongoing series, but I want to I want to really get it going. So I'd I'd love it if you submitted something sooner rather than later so we can do it maybe every other week. And all you have to do is email it to me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And I'll put my email address in the show notes too, so you can copy it from there. So some of the topics that are covered today in these five speeches are habits, like really simple habits that were created during this quarantine time, um, not feeling important and how that is manifested, developing self-awareness and how that has helped one of these speakers, loneliness and friendship, sensitivity and how it has become a strength rather than a weakness. And you'll hear other themes represented in the speeches as well. I'm so excited to bring this to you and I really um, hope you love it. But before we jump into it, I want to tell you about one other thing I'm working on. And it has been so many months since I've really felt inspired or motivated to create something new. I'm sure I'm not alone (laughs) in saying that, but I'm ready to do something. I I wanna put something out there and I'm recognizing a humongous need and you may be seeing it too. And I did a podcast episode on it actually a couple months ago called uh, Seven Reasons Why You Suck at Online Presentations. This topic of online presentations is not going away and I'm sure you've, had to sit and watch someone give a presentation who either you know didn't have their content organized, didn't know how to use the software, their slides were awful, the lighting was bad, they didn't know where to look. I mean, I'm sure that you can relate to all the things I'm saying. And maybe even you yourself don't feel comfortable or prepared or really clear on what makes for a good online presentation. So I'm creating a course, an online course that you can complete that will give you all of the tips and tools and action steps to improve your presentation skills online. But I'm in the process of making it right now and I want to know what's important to you. What do you most want to learn if you were to take a course on this subject? So just today I put together a survey which I'm going to have out for the next you know, four or five days, and you can go to the survey. It's only four questions and fill in what you would want to learn about online presentations. And then I'll compile everything I receive and put something together that will be most useful for you. So I'll put the link to the survey in the show notes and you can take a quick look at that and send in what you're, what you're looking for. I also want to add... <laughs> 
So that's that for online presentations. You can go to the survey and then I'll have more information on it on the next episode. But I want to add that the women who are showcased in today's episode are all club leaders in Speaker Sisterhood, which means that if you were to check out one of the clubs as a guest, one of these women may be leading your club. And I put links to their clubs in the show notes so that if you hear one of them talking and you go, wow, you know what? I really relate to what she's saying. I think being a member of her club would make me feel really connected. And like I, I would just feel like she's, we're on the same page. You can go and check out her club and you can uh, attend free as a guest anytime. So this could be a great opportunity to get to know some of our club leaders through the podcast. And all of our club leaders start as club members And many of them were very shy. They were uncomfortable sharing their voice. And you'll see that through being a member of Speaker Sisterhood, they've been able to share stories like you're going to hear today. So if you'd like to be able to do what they're doing, membership might be a good option for you. (laughs) And that wasn't my original intention to let you know about the clubs through the speeches. But I realized as I was listening to them, like, oh, my God, they're all like this because of what they've been doing in the clubs. So... I wanted to mention that. All right, that's it for my intro today. I hope that you're doing well, and I appreciate you listening. And like I said, feel free to um, submit your own four minutes of truth. I'd love to include it in an upcoming episode in this series. So without further ado, here are the women. Becky Vish, and these are my four minutes of truth. I have a pretty big support system. I have a lot of people around me that if I needed to call them because I got arrested or got into a car accident or needed money for some reason, I could call them. I know I could. I can list them off. But the truth is, I'm really lonely and I don't have a person, a best friend. I don't think I have since I was about nine. You know that friend that will be silly and make TikTok videos and laugh your ass off with each other? The friend that before you even get off the phone, she knows something's wrong and she's at the top of your driveway and saying, get in the car, girl, let's go. The friend that you think of when something good happens and you think of when something bad happens. You know, like that Grey's Anatomy person. I don't have that. And it's so lonely to not have that. You know, you think, I don't really need friends. I'm busy. I got my kids. I got my husband. I have a business to run. I, Who has time for friends? But I'll tell you, when stuff like this happens, like quarantine and shelter-in-place orders and not being able to go anywhere... It's when you really realize how many friends you do or you don't have. 
no one checking in on you and seeing if you're okay. And I'm I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. I'll pick up the phone and I'll call. And what ends up happening is I'm a great listener and I like to help people solve problems. And so I listen to their problems and I help them through it. But when I hang up the phone, I still have my issues and... I sometimes start to feel guilty that, wow, how could I feel like my problems are huge when that person's problems are bigger? And then I just keep suppressing them and push them to the side. But sometimes, even if your problems are small, you still need to have somebody to listen to them. And I don't know how to find that or where to find it. The truth is, I've never felt lonelier than I do right now. And it's hard to even admit that because I like to show up as a bright, shining light. (laughs) And I feel like bright, shining lights would have a lot of friends, (laughs) would have a lot of people. Um, But... The truth is, I don't. Thank you. This is Julie Bermant, and this is my four minutes of truth. It has been quite challenging to be home and working from home, and I don't want to be going into the office, and yet I'm missing my peers and my friends and seeing my patients face-to-face. And the thing that has kept me sane more than anything else is being outside and walking. I have been walking twice a day for a minimum of 30 minutes for the past 103 days. And in fact, before that as well, but my, uh, I spent one day in bed sick. So my, I, I don't have the whole, uh, the whole time that I was walking twice a day. I go outside. um, I look around at the trees. I stare up at the sky. I breathe. I watch how my neighborhood changes through the seasons. I also often use it to talk to friends or family on the phone. I find it in some ways easier to talk to people on the phone remotely because I don't have to worry about where they are in relation to me if they are not people who are in my pod. I love talking to friends while I walk. I feel them beside me. I experience their wisdom. 
but mostly it's moving my body that is helpful to me and particularly moving it when I'm outside. It calms me down. It helps me sleep at night. It lets me know that there is a beautiful reality that's available to me all the time, even when other things are stressful. It's such a simple thing to do, but it has been profound for me. I will say that keeping track of my walks and my exercise on my uh, Apple Watch has gotten me out of bed some mornings because I don't want to mess up my my now over a hundred day everyday stretch of doing this activity that I know is so helpful for me. So marking it down is important to me and getting outside and walking. It is the most important thing that I do. And it is a place where I am able to re-find my own truth and resettle my anxious brain. I hope that this is helpful for someone else out there. Thank you. Hi, my name is Janelle Anderson, and this is my four-minute rant. One of the things I hate the most, it's one of my pet peeves, is when I am interrupted when I'm talking or overlooked and discounted and set aside when I have something to say. This is something that's happened to me my whole life, and it started when I was a kid growing up in a big family. We had eight children, and so imagine eight kids around the table, all talking at once, and it was really, really difficult. I have a quiet voice, and so it was hard for me to be heard. And I internalized that to mean that what I had to say was not interesting, that I was boring and I should just be quiet. And over the years, that message just kept getting louder and louder and different things would happen. You know, I would be in a meeting and I would raise my hand to say something and either I'd be cut off or interrupted or just kind of brushed aside. And I kept believing that what I had to say was not important. And yet inside, I felt like I have things to share. And I know they're important and I know they're valuable. In fact, that person over there just said what I was thinking. But the longer this went on and I believed that message, the more I would just hold back. And I remember one time sitting in a room full of women at a retreat and I was sitting up against the wall with my Bible open and I was just thinking, man, I, I really would love to share. In fact, I feel like I should be in the front of the room teaching. I think I have something to share. Inside, I was just so afraid. I was actually very afraid to speak up. I was afraid of being rejected. I was afraid of being laughed at. I was afraid that people would think, man, that was dumb what she just said, or that they would not even understand what I was saying, that they would think it was weird. I kept feeling like when I did share something that it was like just off the wall or it didn't fit or nobody understood me. And so I kept shutting down and I kept shutting down. And there were many times when I did speak up 
that I was interrupted or brushed aside or made to feel that what I had to say was not important, especially at work, in meetings, around conference tables. And I kept getting the message, even in church, like women are not that important. What we have to share is not as important as what men have to share. And so women shouldn't be teaching from the front of the room. They should just be in the nursery or in the children's church. And that kind of message just used to bother me so much. And I would feel so held back. But one day I finally began to wake up to the fact that, hey, if I don't value what I have to say, how is anybody else going to value what I have to say? I should not be dependent on what other people think of me. I need to value myself. I need to hold a high opinion of what I have to say myself. So I began to do a lot of that like inner work and looking at myself and my message and what I bring to the table. And I remember one day a coach telling me, hey, Janelle, what do your clients tell you about you and what you share with them and how you coach them? And I began to read through some of the notes that I had taken and some of the feedback I was getting. And it was all very encouraging. And I was hearing things like, man, you really helped me, Janelle. You're, you're full of wisdom and insight. And what you shared with me really helped me to pivot and to transform and to change my life for the better. So as I began to read those things and just look at, you know what, this is the experience I have and this is what I have to share. It's a gift. And I began to embrace my own gifts and I began to be my own champion and be my own advocate and stand up for myself and my own voice. Know that what I was speaking was valuable and if people didn't like it, well, so be it. So that's my rant. Thanks for listening. Jennifer Cummings Hillary, and this is my four minutes of truth. The truth is that it has taken me over 40 years to recognize that my sensitivity is a strength and not a weakness. A couple of years ago, I joined a public speaking club for women, and at the first meeting, I shared that my goal was to not become overwhelmed with emotion and not to cry when I spoke publicly about matters that were important to me or matters of the heart. And so I gave speech after speech with this goal in mind. But as I gave these speeches, that emotion never went away and it was always there for me and it would showcase itself. But something incredible happened as my fellow club members gave critiques and feedback of my speeches. They told me that my emotion was actually a strength and a gift. They said it added to my stories and ideas that it was authentic, that it was moving, and that it often showcased itself when I was at the heart of what I was speaking about. These critiques and feedback simmered 
and I was sitting watching a program with my son one day last summer about the landing of Apollo 11 on the moon. The program had footage of Walter Cronkite reporting on this historic event, and he was so overcome with raw emotion that he removed his glasses and actually said that he was speechless. I, I watched and I thought about how he was named the most trusted man in America. And part of that was because he showcased this raw emotion on national TV in front of our entire country on several occasions. And it struck me thinking about him and the feedback that I had received, that the ability to share your emotions and your feelings truly was a strength. And that was a strength in me as well. My hope in sharing this is that my own children who are sensitive beings can know that to think deeply, to feel deeply, and to share the depths of those thoughts and emotions with others is a gift and it is a strength. And I also hope that our society and our communities can begin to actively welcome that sensitivity and emotion into the places where it has been unwelcome, into boardrooms, into town hall, and into places of leadership. I see glimmers of hope when I read books like Glennon Doyle's Untamed, and she speaks about sensitivity being a superpower. And I see glimmers of hope when I read newspaper articles, like one in the New York Times from this spring that said, our leaders are crying on the job. Maybe that's a good thing. The key, however, is to take maybe out of that title. Because when our leaders can show empathy and show that they are human, it is a true gift, it is a strength, and we should celebrate it. Hi. My name is Shauna Gulbrand, and this is my four minutes of truth. I believe that it is my job and everyone's job on the planet to stay in their light, to shine brightly in essence of who I am, for everyone to shine in authenticity and their own uniqueness of who they are. I recently leaned into the question, What does it mean to stay in your light? What does it mean for me to stay in my light? And I want to share my discoveries with you. The number one thing that it means to stay in my light is becoming more self-aware. Self-aware of the moments that I begin to think, act, or speak differently depending on who's around me. Becoming more self-aware of the moments that I begin to abandon myself and becoming more self-aware of the opportunities to speak my truth. A very challenging practice for many of us, but the more you practice it, the easier it gets. 
What does it mean for me to stay in my light? It means stop caring about what someone else might think. I was conditioned as a child to care what other people think. So recognizing there's this pattern and working through it to release it so I can stop caring if someone is judging me. What does it mean to stay in my light? It means my willingness to embrace change. I have a fear of success because with success comes major change as well as the need to shine brightly no matter what. What does it mean for me to stay in my light? It means fostering a more meaningful relationship with my inner child. She is me and I am her. And every age I have ever been, same for you, is still within me. And those younger versions of myself, they've wanted to shine for a long time. Now it's my job to nurture my inner child so we can shine together. What does it mean for me to stay in my light? It means moving towards what excites me, my passions, my interests, all the while not giving a shit who says anything about it. I don't care what anybody thinks when it comes to me moving towards what excites me. What does it mean for me to stay in my light? It means leaning into and moving through the pattern of behavior that prompts me to explain myself. Again, another childhood conditioning. I was always explaining my actions and my words, always like creating stories to not get in trouble. So these are the reasons, um, or these are, this is what it means for me to stay in my light. And I now pose the question to you, to shine brightly, what does it mean for you to stay in your light? What has to happen? What patterns of behavior could you recognize in yourself so you live authentically in your essence, your uniqueness of who you are? Shine brightly, my friends. All right, I hope you enjoyed our four minutes of truth series, episode one. There's so much more to come, but it's only going to continue if you submit your four minutes of truth. So think about what you might want to say. Don't overthink it. I know that's a common problem because there's so many things that could be talked about and you want to make it perfect. But the idea is just pick something and go with it. If it's on your mind, if you're feeling it, just do it. And you don't have to share your last name. So I would love to share your voice, give you a chance to claim the stage and connect you with a bigger audience to be heard. You can do that by emailing me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. Try to keep it as close to four minutes as possible. And I'm looking forward to receiving your submission. The Claim the Stage podcast is recorded in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Our music is created and produced by Chris Collins of IndieMusicBox.com. And this has been a production of the Speaker Sisterhood at speakersisterhood.com. As always, my friends, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.